Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. In these days leading up to the celebration of Jesus' birth, have you done any soul searching? Have you done any, spent any time just asking yourselves what it is for Christmas that you truly need? Not just want, but especially what you need most of all. If, if you haven't, perhaps this will be of a little bit help to you. It's absolutely not anything that you can find in a store. Whether it's a store in Tyler, Dallas, or New York City. What are you really needing come Christmas that will make you the richest person of all? That is, a person who is rich in faith, a person who is rich with, with gratitude and joy. Let me begin with a personal story. Um, I was 26 before Kim and I got married. And for some bachelors, that would mean just years of constantly eating out. And as a result, uh, not knowing the first thing about what to do in the kitchen. But that wasn't me. I, I really don't like to eat out much. So then, as well as now, I'd, I'd rather spend a little time at home being creative and enjoying a meal that I'd prepared with my own two hands. Well, the year we got married, we were living in Chicago. It was the year of my internship. And at Christmas time, a long-term bachelor gave me a gift. A gift that he probably wished he had had for himself. It was a gift I'm sure he assumed would be appreciated, used often. As I opened that package, I, I honestly didn't know what to think. For lo and behold, I was now the proud owner of a Ronco battery-operated egg scrambler. If you'll look closely, there's a, there's a little pin in that little compartment up there, and it's, it's got a twist to it, and when you turn it on, that twisted pin scrambles your egg. Because everybody knows how difficult, how time-consuming <laughs> it is to scramble eggs. I mean, you have to be so precise, and it, it takes that difficult whisking motion you have to do with your wrist, but the Ronco Egg Scrambler removes all those worries. <laughs> Would you agree that I was given just what I needed? <laughs> what is it then that you need the most? Seriously, with the celebration of Jesus' birth, what comes to mind? I love the word picture that Isaiah painted for us in chapter 11 of, of his book of prophecy. And keep in mind that Isaiah lived some 700 years before the birth of Jesus. Remembering that fact together with looking at these words gives us even more confidence in the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So why don't you open your Bibles to page 1076, we're looking at Isaiah chapter 11. 
And in, in one sweeping motion, Isaiah looks both backwards and ahead to what the birth of the Messiah will bring. And this is the first thing we see in his backward glance. He said, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. Now this is obviously a reference to King David. As you know, David, or King, uh, yeah, King David, David in his childhood was the youngest son in the house of Jesse. David lived and reigned about 300 years before Isaiah came on the scene. And the years of his kingdom were the glory years for the Israelites. It was to David, a man after God's own heart, that this promise was made. You see, David wanted to build the Lord a house, a temple, a, a physical place where he could be worshipped. But the Lord had something else in mind. God had something much better in mind. Far greater. Instead of David building God a house, God would build an everlasting kingdom for the house of David. One that would include all people, not just the Jews. All people of all time. And isn't that just like our God? Whenever we want to do something special for Him, He turns around and, and blesses us even more. In this case, David's own offspring would bring about the life of the promised Messiah, the Savior of the world. And you can read about that promise for yourself in, in 2 Samuel chapter 7. So what then is, is this stump and, and this shoot? Well, centuries after David's reign, the, the Israelites fell away from the Lord. They chose to live like the other nations living around them. And when God's patience finally ended, He allowed their enemies to, to overrun them. First, it was the Assyrians who came in and, and all but destroyed uh, Israel. And when they still didn't repent, they were taken into captivity and exile in Babylon. The kingdom of Judah was over, finished, like a dead stump. Or so it appeared. But for God, who can do anything? For the Lord who always keeps His promises. Hundreds of years later, a shoot arose out of this stump of Jesse. And His name was Jesus. The gift that the world needed most. The gift you and I most need. So, what can we expect from the promised one? What does it mean for us to, to trust in Jesus? Look at verse 2. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on Him. The Spirit of wisdom and of understanding. The Spirit of counsel and of power. The Spirit of knowledge and of the, the fear of the Lord. When we look at our world today, one of the most obvious realities is uh, we are just inundated with information. 
Long gone are those days when uh, college students would go door to door and sell sets of the Funkin' Wagnalls or Encyclopedia Britannica. As grandparents, you ought to tell your kids that story. They won't believe you. You can tell them how your family was respected and, and even the most envied family on the block if you had the entire set. So I'm curious, have, have any of you held on to those? Why should you? I mean, you have a world in favor of information. You have the most update information on your phone. With the internet at your fingertips, you can, you can know or learn anything that you need to know. And if you read it on the internet, you can believe that it's true. <laughs> and that's my point. Are computers and the web great tools, great gifts? Absolutely. They provide us information in, in an endless stream but do they embody the spirit of the Lord? The spirit of knowledge and wisdom? Of God's counsel and power? Even of the fear of the Lord? No. Those things come only with the gift of Jesus. He is the one we needed most. As fully God and fully man, Jesus will always lead you on the right path, in the way of truth. And He has the power to do absolutely anything you need. Anything. We can trust the One who is God's gift to the world. There will, be, there, there will never be a reason to, to doubt Him. So looking at verse 3, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. Maybe that sounds a little confusing to you. I mean, how can we use the words uh, fear and delight to say the same thing? Well, let, let's substitute fear for the, the, the greatest respect. Substitute fear for the highest admiration because that's what it means. Therefore, the one who was born of a virgin in Bethlehem, the one who is fully endowed with the Holy Spirit, the one we look to for godly wisdom and knowledge, the one who leads us in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake, Jesus does all this and more because He always desires to please His Heavenly Father. We can trust Him fully, can't we? For example, if Jesus says, God loves you, you can know that. When He says, follow me, you can be sure you're on the right path. And what if your Savior says this setback, this problem, this disease, this broken relationship is ultimately for your greater good 
If he says that, then you can be still and not fret. You can rest knowing that Jesus has the, the sovereign power to make that happen. You can see the rest of your life as a divine adventure with the one who died and rose again on the cross for you leading the way. He is just what you needed. Looking at verses 3 and 4, we can see that Jesus is the one that, that the world needs most too. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide what he, by what he hears with his ears. But with righteousness, he will judge the needy. With justice, he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. Let me ask you, how often are we um, disappointed, astonished, even angered by the lack of justice? That's because our country does not have a justice system. Perhaps no country does. What we have is a legal system. And those are two very different things, aren't they? Because all judges who make all decisions are all as sinful as you and I are. We may long for justice to be served, especially for the poor and the needy, but, but don't expect it, at least not in this life. So I, Isaiah is telling us here to, to look beyond the here and the now. When he speaks of Jesus as the Messiah, he is speaking in the future tense. Maybe you saw that in verse 4. He said, with righteousness, he will judge the needy. And with justice, he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. It's coming, but don't expect it here. So if you also have a heart for the poor and needy, if you, if you long for a day when all wrongs will be made right, my friend, that day began the day Jesus was born. And that day was extended to the day that he took the place of all the spiritually poor and needy on himself, on the cross. Jesus righted our wrongs with his holy blood. There at Calvary, God's righteousness and justice prevailed because he who had no sin became sin for us. Jesus took our pride, He took our jealousy, He took our too small faith and our too large fears, He took our selfishness, our immorality, our greed, He took both our sins and their punishment on Himself. And when He did, God the Father left Him. He abandoned His Son so that there God's justice was served. Also that we could be forgiven by His grace 
so that we who trust in Him could be saved, so that we could become that righteousness of God. Why don't, you, why don't we say this out loud together? So that in Him, we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus is just what we needed, isn't He? And coming to save us in the world, he didn't, he didn't leave the dirty work for somebody else. Nor did He passively sit on the sidelines and, and watch the things that were being played out. Look, look at verse 5. Righteousness will be His belt and faithfulness the sash around His, his waist. Keeping in mind that these words were, were originally written to people of Middle Eastern descent. People who wore long flowing robes, not much unlike what I am wearing this morning. They did that to, of course, insulate them from the heat. So before they would have to do something physically assertive, before they had to run or fight, they would cinch up that extra material down around their legs with a belt. And they would use it as a, as a tool to help them be successful in what they had to do. Well, Isaiah tells us that Jesus will, will use something as well. We can count on Him to use His righteousness and His faithfulness to fight and win all of our battles. He is just what we needed. And what's the result? Will there be any changes that come about in us and around us as we trust in Him? Well, only the most dramatic and desired changes of all. Verse 6. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together and a little child will lead them. If you ever have the chance to go to Branson, Missouri, uh, you owe it to yourself to go to the Sight and Sound Theater. Uh, it's a huge place. It seats 2,000 people. The, the main stage across the front is 300 feet long. That's a football field. Not to mention the two side stages as well. Uh, and they they provide amazing renditions of uh, biblical accounts like Noah and the Flood, Moses, um, Samson, uh, Queen Esther, and currently they're showing the miracle of Christmas. And yet even before you walk in, you get a, a sense of what you're about to experience. Because at the front doors, you will see the, this statue of the lion and the lamb lying down together. This is a more lifelike picture, but both symbolize the incredible peace that Jesus came to bring. Our peace with God, which He won for us. That, that peace that surpasses human understanding and the peace that we will fully know when Jesus returns and, and brings about the new heaven and the new earth. In fact, Isaiah looks ahead to that great day as well. 
verse 10. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him, and his place of rest will be glorious. Try and see it in your mind's eye. Jesus Christ, high and lifted up, and all of his majesty and glory, and the nations of the earth hurriedly gather around him because he is the, the focal point of all creation. He is our Savior. He is our King of kings and our Lord of lords. He is the Prince of Peace. Isn't that what Isaiah said here? His place of rest will be glorious. He is just what we needed. Jesus is our everything eternally. And it all began on that first Christmas. Amen. And may that peace of God, which passes human understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Him. Amen.